Hey there, I'm Mr. Black. And I'm Mr. Green. And we're a couple of guys who met in a comic book store. Together we host the Pint O' Comics podcast, where we invite listeners to join us to talk about movies, TV, comics, music, or just whatever. Starting very soon, we'll be joining up with the fine folks at Forgotten Entertainment for a special limited series called On the QT, where we talk Tarantino. Every week for 10 weeks, a guest will join us to chat about every Quentin Tarantino movie from Reservoir Dogs to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So join us starting in May 2021. On the QT is a Available wherever you download your podcasts and is part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Ooh, that's a bingo. Hello there. I'm Colleen. I'm Anders. And I'm Daniel. We're three nerds that met through our love of science fiction and fantasy storytelling. Of course, one of our favorites is George Lucas's signature achievement, Star Wars. And if there's one thing the internet definitely doesn't have enough of, it's nerds talking about Star Wars. So here we are with yet another Star Wars podcast, where each week we discuss one of the films in the current Star Wars canon. From the sands of Tatooine to the levels of Coruscant, we cover it all. Yet another Star Wars podcast is available wherever you get your podcast and is part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Cinco de Mayo. Bienvenido a Abrir Uno con Mike y Alice. Esta es nuestra serie de seis paquetes de cervezas mexicanas. Google Translate says that is. <laughs> Hello. Happy 5th of May. Welcome to Cracking One Open with Mike and Elise. This is our six pack series on Mexican lagers. There we go. So happy Welcome. Cinco de Mayo. Welcome to another six pack series. Yep, Let's boy. get shwasted. No, not really. Nah, these not are lower, these. lower alcohol content. So thank God. <laughs> Thankfully. <laughs> Better for us. It's, so, a, it's a two part episode, but we would do it all in one night. Ooh, one take. So obviously you guys are listening to this on the 7th of May, but we recorded mm-hmm. this on the 5th of May. So it As appropriate lineup. Yep. But yeah, you know. We're doing it on Cinco de Mayo, so it counts. Plus, yeah. it's getting warm outside. So you're going to be having a lot of cervezas or mm-hmm. Mexican lagers, which are kind of just, I think, colloquially, colloquially known as cervezas around here nowadays. I think Americans call Mexican beers a cerveza. Yeah, basically. That's basically how it works now. So where do you want to start first? Do you want to start? Well, we'll start with the history of Cinco de Mayo first, yeah, I guess. you yeah. go first. All right. So Cinco de Mayo. Oh, which is the 5th of May, uh, everyone wrongly thinks is Mexican Independence Day. But it is not. Mexico's Independence Day, where they liberated themselves from Spain when their country was called New Spain, uh, was actually 1810 and is known as uh, they celebrate September 16th, uh, commemorating the cry of Dolores, which is when not they won their independence, but the start of their war. which is when Miguel Hidalgo y Costilla rang his church bell and gave the call to arms that triggered the Mexican War of Independence. And that was on the 16th of September, 1810. And ever since then, the president of Mexico reenacts the cry from the balcony of the National Palace in Mexico City while ringing the same bell Hidalgo used in 1810. Oh, that's cool. But that is September 16th. So what is Cinco de Mayo? It's an American holiday, kind of like St. Patrick's Day. (laughs) It has been taken over, anglicized, basically. Yep. Uh, 
and it's it, it is still a holiday in Mexico, but it's not as celebrated as much as it is in America, actually. Huh. So to a little bit of background on it, on May 5th, 1862, the Mexican army defeated the French Empire at the Battle of Puebla. And that was the 5th of May, 1862, under the leadership of General Ignacio Zaragoza. So this was a victory of a much smaller underarmed Mexican force of 4,000 Mexican soldiers against a larger French force of 8,000 very well-trained, very well-armed soldiers under the leadership of Napoleon. Damn. This was the time of Napoleon. Mm -hmm. So uh, unfortunately, a year after that battle, a larger French force came about, I think 30,000 of them came and just leveled the Mexican army at the second battle of Puebla at Mexico city. And then the country soon fell to France for a little while. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was short lived only about three years. Um, And that is when they installed. I'm having serious (laughs) APUS history flashbacks right now. (laughs) They installed emperor Maximilian. The first is a ruler of Mexico. And what started this battle, what started the events and why France decided to come try to take over Mexico, other than, you know, Napoleon wanting to take over everything, mm-hmm. was that after the Mexican-American War from 1846 to 1848 and the 1858 to 1861 Reform War, which was a civil war in Mexico that pitted liberals who wanted separation of church and state and freedom of religion against the conservatives who wanted the Catholic Church to kind of help rule the Mexican state. Uh, it, just totally bankrupt Mexico. And so on July 17th, 1861, the president at the time, Benito Juarez, issued a uh, moratorium on which all foreign debt payments would be suspended for two years. Now, in response, France, Britain, and Spain all sent the Navy to Veracruz and went, we getting paid. That's not (laughs) happening. You can't just decide not to pay us. Uh, But Britain and Spain ended up- Trump. (laughs) Yeah. They ended up leaving. Uh, Britain and Spain renegotiated their contracts and peacefully withdrew, understanding that, you know, Mexico was in dire straits and would Mm -hmm. rather get paid well than not get paid or send soldiers out, Mm -hmm. I guess. Makes sense. Uh, So they were still going to get paid, but later, I guess. And then France, though, ruled by Napoleon, (laughs) like- uh uh-uh. uh, no, 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 fuck that. I am Napoleon. I am going to win. Uh, so he decided to use this opportunity to make an excuse for himself to go establish an empire in Mexico that would favor French interests, which helped because they obviously kind of at that point had lost most of their American interests because mm-hmm. no longer had colonies yep. for the last hundred years because America is now a country with their own interests. Uh, so, and most people didn't like Napoleon, to be honest, um, at that point. Yeah, don't say. Most people did not support the new French, uh, government, not just because Napoleon was conquering everything, but <laughs> it's a whole thing with the French revolution and all that. So obviously at that point there were battles and it was a huge victory because no one had defeated the French army for almost 50 years. They would remain undefeated Damn. at that point. And this group of 4,000 scrappy Mexicans with not the best weapons defeated this army that doubled theirs. Huh. Uh, and it's also important because some say that since the overall failed French intervention, uh, that no country in the Americas, the whole of the Americas has subsequently been invaded by any other military force from Europe. That was the last time anyone from Europe tried to invade North, South or Central America. That wow. was the end of it. Uh, so I thought that was pretty cool. Mm hmm. Um, that that was kind of it when people were like, oh, maybe we shouldn't mess with the Americas anymore. <laughs> maybe they are their own thing now. <laughs> so now, ever since then, uh, 
Cinco de Mayo is celebrated with like reenactments and military parades, especially around Puebla where the battle took place. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it's not super celebrated in Mexico. People still go to work. It's not like, whoa. Okay. But people started uh, celebrating in California in 1863 in response to resistance to the French rule of in Mexico. Because obviously oh. they could say something because they were no longer part of that. And yeah. I believe in 1863, California was still its own kind of country. Mm-hmm. We're trying to be. Uh Shout out to Zorro for teaching me that. (laughs) (laughs) So it was made up, obviously, of ex-Mexicans and stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. they would sell parades and stuff like that. And then starting in maybe like the 40s with the rise of the Chicano movement in California and definitely into the 50s and 60s, they started to kind of celebrate it within their own kind of neighborhoods and stuff like that with cultural celebrations and all this and then in the 80s it really grew with beer companies and and alcohol companies and restaurants really focusing on promoting it and marketing it and selling all this stuff much like we do with saint patrick's day Mm -hmm. it's no longer about the battle that was fought but about the culture as well so many mexican communities will celebrate their heritage and their culture and their community um but that's where Cinco de Mayo started, because even I, before I did this research, thought it was Mexican Independence Day. That's what everybody says. And no one really knows what that means. They just go, oh, it's Mexican. Oh, OK. And that's kind of the excuse to drink some beer mm-hmm. and eat some guacamole. But in truth, it's this battle that was fought against Napoleon. That was one. And it was like basically their Alamo kind of a thing. So right. I thought that was pretty cool. That so pretty that's cool. why we drink in the cervezas. All right. Well, so we've got another history lesson, kind of. Before I get to what cervezas we will be drinking today. Ooh, ooh, the roster. (laughs) So uh, this is a brief history of Mexican beer. And I'm saying I like I'm saying brief, but I literally probably could have made an entire episode about this. There is so much to talk about. Um, But then we wouldn't be drinking beer. It's true. Yeah. (laughs) Defeat the purpose. So prior to the Spanish conquest, fermented beverages made from corn, agave and honey were common. And to this day, Mexico is home to diverse groups of people who still brew these pre-Hispanic libations the ancient way. However, the first European style brewery in the New World was built by Don Alonso de Herrera of Spain. He's first mentioned on August 23rd, 1541. With his brewery opening in 1542 in the city of Najara, though the brewery didn't last very long. Fast forward a couple hundred years, Mexico's brewing history is one of ups and downs. Unlike its neighbor to the north, there is no established European style brewing tradition for much of the colonial period. But it kicked off in the 19th century after the Mexican War of Independence concluded in 1821. After the war, German and Austrian immigrants began settling in what is today Texas and Mexico, but there isn't really a direct line from those settlers to modern-day mass-marketed beer. In fact, the Mexican-style lager has more in common with the Vienna lager than with the light, fizzy beers many associate with the country today, hmm. and for many years, was it was easier to find Vienna lager in Mexico than it is in its native land. Originally developed by Anton Dreyer in Vienna in the mid-19th century, the malty copper-colored beer began to fall out of favor in Europe as a pale lagers took over. 
However, brewers trained in the Vienna style made their way to modern-day Mexico, where they continued the Vienna lager tradition. All right, so the beer's influence greatly grew when Maximilian I, a Vienna-born member of the House of Habsburg-Lorraine, was proclaimed Emperor of Mexico in 1864. He and his band of beer drinkers brought a love of Vienna lager with them. Wait, who? Emperor what? Um, Maximilian I. That's that motherfucker I said that took over. Yeah. Guess what happened to him? Yeah. In 1865. He didn't drink beer for long. (laughs) I'll get to it. In 1865, Compania Toluca y Mexico, Mexico, uh, brewed Victoria, one of the first Mexican Vienna lager style beers. And although Maximilian I did not last long as emperor because he was executed in 1867. I didn't like Napoleon for taking over too much. (laughs) uh, A taste for Vienna lager lagers continued in fact it later influenced the creation of negro modelo and dos equis ambar i was gonna ask if ambar is kind of yep. because you can always get there's a lot almost always a lager version than the ambar version of mm-hmm. okay that's their answer to it cool so mexico's first large-scale brewer cerveceria cuatamac cuatamac opened in 1890 and began production of a czech style bohemian pilsner a few years after Quatermach's founding, German-born Wilhelm Haas brewed a, be- a beer called Siglo XX, or 20th century, to welcome to welcome in the new century. Duh. Mm. <laughs> it became best known for its two X's and was soon renamed to Dos Equis. XX. <laughs> the Mexican beer industry uh, reached its production zenith by 1918 with 36 microbreweries in production, and then came Prohibition in the U.S. in 1919, which also gave them a boost, and two more breweries were built along the California border. But despite having a large market, competition among the breweries was cutthroat and many did not survive. This period of consolidation lasted for the remainder of the 20th century, and by 1956, Grupo Modelo surpassed Moctezuma and Cuauhtémoc in production with 31% of all Mexican beer. And in 1985, Cuauhtémoc merged with Moctezuma to form Cervecia Cuauhtémoc Moctezuma. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Cervecia is brewery. Right. Um which folded in several other established brands, including Bohemia, Dos Equis, and Tecate, in addition to the Carte Blanca, Sol, and Moctezuma beers. Oh, so like a Mexican Anheuser-Busch. Exactly. Oh, I didn't realize they owned all those brands. So this left only two corporate giants, Cervecia Cuauhtémoc Moctezuma and Grupo Modelo. In 2008, Anheuser-Busch obtained 49% of Grupo Modelo's shares, and in 2010, Heineken acquired majority shares of Quatamac Moctezuma. Uh, I guess so, I'm I guess I'm team Quatamac yeah. Moctezuma then. Yeah. Just because I like Heineken and they're not quite as I mean they're still big, but fuck Anheuser-Busch. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I got as background. Um, shall we start cracking some open and I will talk about them as we go? See. Yeah. <laughs> and we're back. Whoop, whoop, whoop. All right. Since you did the beer search. All right. 
You're going to choose what we do first. Damn straight. I'll snap. You already decided. All right. What are we doing? First up is soul. Soul. You need a beer. (laughs) (laughs) No. No. Bottle opener would help. And we're back. Soul. (laughs) I like this bottle. It's pretty neat. I am pretty sure. I'm almost positive I've had soul before. I honestly don't know if I have. So or maybe I've just seen it and never bought it. It's possible. It's a so let me get into it. It's textured. The bottle's <laughs> textured. Oh, interesting. <laughs> so Seoul was founded in Mexico in 1899 when the country was still celebrating its newfound independence. A German brewmaster took inspiration from a ray of sunlight shining through a hole in the brewery's roof. In honor of this experience, he christened his new beer with the name El Sol, which translates to the sun. <gasps> It was in early 1900 that the brand became the now iconic Sol. After the acquisition of the brewery El Salto de Agua, or the waterfall, Sol moved to Orizaba in, in early 1900, where the beer, blessed by using the closest waters to the sun, became a Mexican icon. The brewery says this is a bright and refreshing Mexican lager with a smooth taste and a crisp finish. Molson Coors made a deal with Heineken to the tune of $7.6 billion, which put Heineken in charge of importing a lot of Mexican beer. And this does include Seoul, among others. And recently, the company announced that Seoul is brewed using solar power. Nice. How appropriate. Very appropriate. Yeah. Question. Yes. So Molson Coors owned Seoul, but paid Heineken to distribute it now? That it's a kind of confusing, but yes, that's how I interpreted it. Okay. Like, hey, we bought this, but we don't want to distribute it. Here's seven billion dollars to take care of it. Yeah. So Soul must sell pretty well for seven billion dollars worth mm-hmm. of movement. All right. Oh God, I love this bottle. God, <laughs> I hope I love this beer because I want to buy this bottle again. <laughs> I've cracked this open with a Corona bottle opener. Approps. Uh, I will have you know, Corona is not on our beers that we are drinking today, um, but it is here. We found some interesting ones. Yeah. Yes. Or more interesting. We talked too much shit about Corona to drink it on this gas. Yeah. The sick of the mile. I, I will say, though, before we get started, mm-hmm. that my first beer that I was drinking when I turned 21 was absolutely Corona. Was Corona for like the first year. Uh, and then you had a, a really bad night with Corona. <laughs> oh no, I still drank Corona after that really bad night where I drank basically a case of Corona <laughs> and survived on you buying me a tuna sub. <laughs> uh, but that was because my buddy Dave, who also does two player bros with me, uh, taught me that I can put a lime and a lemon in a Corona. And it was like, what? What? Yes. Fun fact, it, the lime in the beer mm-hmm. is totally an American thing. Look at all these fun facts about <laughs> Mexican beer. All right. You're the professor. I want to give you the first sip. You were the one who did Aww. all the research. Interesting. Okay. I, I don't mind that at all. That is very crisp, very bready. And it's it's got some like malty undertones to it. I I enjoy that. I could that would be super, super refreshing on a really hot day. It's not bad. It is very malty. It was. It's way more malty than I would expect for something. Yeah. That's this light. Um, for anybody who doesn't know, it's very is like yeah. A, it's like a straw color. 
straw color a little bit darker than Corona, I would say. Yes. Like just slightly. A little bit more of a golden sunlight color. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is in a clear bottle, though. So I it's will... almost it's it's got a sweetness to it, too. Oh, I feel like that's the maltiness. Yeah. Malt is always sweet, right? Well, I have a very sweet aftertaste in my mouth. It does. It, I think that helps to mask that kind of tinniness that light beers like this often give you, mm-hmm. which is nice because the, the aftertaste is what I hate most about a lot of those beers. Most of those lighter beers do leave you with a lingering tinniness. Yeah. Even if you're I, drinking from the bottle. Yep. Which this bottle is clear. So I will warn people who buy Corona, who buy Soul. These beers spoil fast. Do not fast. leave it in the sun. Do not leave it in the sun. It might be called Soul, but the sun will kill it. Yes. <laughs> uh, these beers skunk super quick. Keep them in a dark place and drink them within six months or they will go bad. And and usually sometimes it's quicker than six. That's also uh, why limes are often used to mask the potential skunkiness. It makes sense, Corona. I mean. What? <laughs> <laughs> but no, this is pleasant. I like this. It's a little sweeter than maybe I'd really want on a hot day. It kind of takes away from the hydrating potential. Hmm. Well, beer is really, never going to yeah. be hydrating. Let's be real. <laughs> oh, but it can pretend to be hydrating like a soda or something. But yes, I would say on a sunny day, this would be nice. If I was at yeah. a party and they had soul, I would crack one open for sure and drink yeah. it. But I think I'd prefer maybe one of the other ones we have on our list. Okay, um, we'll, well see. Some of them I don't know about. I've had maybe half of these. Yeah, um, I... Mm. But I don't know. Now that I've had soul, I don't know if I've actually had soul. I definitely haven't. Now that I've had, because I would it. remember that sweetness. To be honest, of the beers that we have, I think I've had one. Yeah, you don't partake in the cervezas very often. No, that's why I'm Mister International. Well, here. When, yeah. <laughs> I always go for the foreign country. When, when we go to a, a Mexican or Tex-Mex restaurant, I want the margaritas. That's true. And other places don't like have a crazy amount of Mexican beers. But yeah, I would remember this. You know what this reminds me of here? Have like corn pops, like because of the maltiness <laughs> and the strawness. Yes, yes. It's like this nice, Absolutely. Uh, lightly sweet cereal taste. Hmm. This That's is growing on me fast. No, it's I, growing on I, me too. Yeah. yeah. I enjoy this a lot. So we're starting off strong with soul there. Yeah. And it's only 4.5%. So <laughs> well, most of these are, which makes them very highly crushable beers. Yes. All right, so that is Soul. Oh, so the bottle mm-hmm. is textured. It's awesome, guys. It's textured. <laughs> Win-win. So along the neck, uh, toward the top, there are these sun rays coming down that you can touch and feel pressed into the bottle, which is nice. And then you've got a little tiny sticker on the top that says Soul, Desde 1899. Obviously established or made in 1899 mm-hmm. um, or from. Also imprinted is Cervecia Moctezuma. Yeah, it's really, really cool. But yes, it does say Moctezuma. Because it's owned by them. They own everything. Uh, And then on the back is the Soul logo, which is really cool. I'm sure you've seen it if you've ever been to a liquor store. It's a really fancy looking S with little points in the middle of the S and the O. Like coming out of it, a little spiky with a dot on the end of the L. Um and then it's got a little sun guy with eyeballs, like the classic 1930s, like man on the moon oh, sun guy. Yep, yep, yep. Eyeballs peeking out behind the soul, like, hey, I'm <laughs> rising. How you doing? <laughs> and then sunbeams coming from everywhere. And then what looks like coins. One of them's definitely a, a woman with uh, 
like a grain of wheat uh, headband. And then the other coin on the logo, honestly, is really zoomed out. But all I see in my head is a triceratops. <laughs> and I don't think I'm right. Do you know what that's, that looks like? Uh, the littler coin. Or did I put triceratops in your brain? You absolutely did. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, that is the detail in that is totally lost. So triceratops. We're going with triceratops. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it's really cool. It's a really nice bottle. On the back, it says born in the heart of Mexico in 1899. Soul is the Mexican beer with an optimistic spirit and a crisp, refreshing taste. And I wonder if they put that optimistic spirit because it was right at the cusp of Mexican independence. Probably. That would so make sense. I wonder sense. if that was like maybe one of their old taglines as well. This is a very strong starting point for this. I feel like the other beers are going to go downhill. Yeah. Hopefully not, but maybe. Uh, that's that's really good and really interesting and very different from most of them. All right. So next up, we've got Colima Colimita. From the brewery's website, they say, located in the tra Trapiche, Colima, in Cervecia de Colima, we produce beers and experiences that express the beauty and simplicity of Colima. We seek to create a bond and a feeling of pride among our employees, customers, and consumers. We are the second biggest independent brewery in Mexico with a monthly production capacity of more than 100,000 liters. Ooh. We produce simple and well-made beers for all types of beer consumers. So Colomita is a lager. They say this is a tropical representation of a typical German lager. The site is golden, bright, and crystalline with white and fine foam. It's of medium body. And on the palate, we can expect slight bitter notes with hops and floral aromas that come into balance with its Pilsner malt. And this is imported by St. Killian Importing. Killian's Irish Red. That's cool. So the second largest independent brewery. Mm -hmm. Do we have a beer from the first largest independent brewery? Not to my knowledge. Damn. Oh, well. But we do have two of these. We have two from this brewery. Yes. I'm going to crack it open. This one is a can, which is one of the reasons that we first like, we're like, grabbed what? It. yeah, we're like, this better be. I hope this is Mexican because it was in a Latin American section. So we had to kind of find the Mexican beers within mm -hmm. it. I've never seen a canned Mexican beer before, no. other than obviously ones that are brewed in the States. Mm -hmm. So let's crack this open. That's a fine crack mm -hmm. from a fine can. And we will pour this one into a glass because we cannot see the beer. Oh. Light. Ooh, it pours into a yellow. Nice. If I was going to color a beer from Mexico, this is the exact color I would use when yep. I think of it. It almost matches the can top. It does. I wonder if that's on purpose. Uh, that's dope. I hope this is great. Uh, I'm going to go first with this one. Sure. Smells completely different from what you would think a Mexican lager would be. Okay. Those floral notes and stuff almost make it smell like. I've definitely smelled almost like almost like sours, mm -hmm. fruited sours or like ciders. That's huh. what it smells like on top. Ooh. Wow. You're right. That really doesn't smell anything like I would expect it to. This does not taste how I would expect a cerveza to taste like. And when I say cerveza, I mean it in the whitest way possible. Yeah. I mean it in like 
Americanized, the Americanized yeah. way of like a Mexican beer. It just completely shatters your ex- your expectations of what a Mexican beer would or it's should be. It's so floral. It is super floral. It is really good, really crisp. This, I think, although I love soul and I love the taste of it, this is what I would drink on a summer day because I think this is a little more hydrating, a little yeah. bit more refreshing because that sweetness. Um, I, the uh, carbonation floral. is really nice. It's very similar. It's got that kind of like flaked notes that we've gotten in when we did uh, Wicked Bueno. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we did that, check out that episode. And um, I don't know if we did an episode on Cerveza by Tribus. We did not. But we love Cerveza by Tribus. Well, <laughs> I love Cerveza by Tribus. You really do. <laughs> I finished a four pack in like two hours. It's phenomenal. Um, shout out Tribus. <laughs> But this is, is similar to that, that flaked, the flaked oats kind of a thing that yeah. we have had in a bunch of cervezas lately, you know. But that floral note really punches it up to something different, something cidery, something like, what was the cider we had? Uh, the really fancy cider that was almost like a cider sour. Graft, I Gra- want to yes. say. Yeah. It's very similar to that graft kind of, not the app, not the apple part of it, obviously, but that kind of floral like flower petal kind mm-hmm. of fruitiness that you get. It's from so delicate. Petals. Yeah. This is absolutely fantastic. Like we could slam that. We could finish this right now. <laughs> oh, we'll be finishing all these soon enough. Well, we, we gotta save we got to save a little more. bit for comparing. Damn. That's good. That's really good. All right, Mexico. Good job. That's two <laughs> for two on the high expectations mark. Yeah. I mean, not that I had low expectations because like I said, I've had a bunch of these before. Oh, damn. That's good. Mm hmm. We're finding what I like about this is it's becoming warmer now. So we're finding our summertime beers. Yeah. <laughs> so the can is awesome. As I said, it is a full label, which much respect, mm-hmm. uh, especially from an independent brewery. And it, but it's not a tall boy. I would say it's, it's the size. It's like the size of a white claw. It's like a regular 16 ounce. Or yeah, it's, yeah. It's not too big or 12 ounce or rather. It's not too big. It's just skinnier. Mm-hmm. Like you said, like a white claw. Um, that's actually a perfect example. The full wraparound label, though, is kind of textured and almost a it matte is. finish. It is, yeah. It's got a little roughness to um, it, which I enjoy. Uh, and it's all white. It's really striking. And then Colomita is in a shiny golden color. And the top of this silver can on the bottom, it is silver around the that you can see because the wrap doesn't go on the bottom, but it does cover mm-hmm. everything that's pressed. The top is gold and the gold matches the beer almost perfectly. It really does. Uh, And it's so striking and so shiny and so awesome. And I feel like I'm drinking a rich person's beer when I'm drinking this. Yeah. Uh, I honestly feel totally the vibe that I I get from it. I feel like money right now. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And there's so much writing on this can. There's so much stuff going on. So obviously I said the Colomita is right there. It says N.I. Cerveza. And it's a picture of two triangles, maybe mountains. And then it says on the side, it's all in Spanish, and we did not do Google Translate. I'm sorry, I should have. I'll probably translate it for myself later. But it says, Hecha con carino y ingredientes, cuidado semente, seleccionados en nuestra planta del el trapiche colima, la cerveza de la tierra favorita del sol. So if you know Spanish, you know some of that. I can get some of those words, but. Wait, where where did you see? It's the uh it's this one. It's made with Karina and ingredients. I don't know. Selections, new plants. I don't know. 
plants from that region, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Basically, let's talk about what it's made with. La Cerveza de Tierra, favorite de Sol. Um, yeah, probably the favorite beer of the sun. Uh, the land's favorite beer of the sun. Tierra is definitely land. I don't know. <laughs> Thanks, Latin. <laughs> yeah, I took Latin, not Spanish. Sorry. Yeah, it's made with some of the great finest ingredients, I think. The plants from El Trapiche, Colima. Yeah. Favor of the sun is right. And then it says it's, yeah, so it's a lager. Elabrador por cerveceria artisanal de Colima. So I'm sure that means it's an independent brewery. That's what yeah. artisanal brewery is what yeah. they call it in Spanish, uh, in Mexico. Um, ingredientes, malta, lupulo, levadura, y agua. Lupulo must be hops. Yeah, lupulo. yep. Brewed and bottled by Cerveceria Artisanal de Colima, SAPI de CV. Don't know what that means. And it's got their address. It's got their website, cerveceriadecolima.com, if you're wondering. Imported by Polaris Beverages Incorporated, Spring Valley, California. Not Connecticut, shockingly. Mm. But it makes sense because it's easier to get to Mexico from California. And then it's got its own Acer Mex Artisanals Independent Independent uh, Independentes Mexicanas. So it's got its own like drink craft beer kind of logo for Mexico. Oh. So they have it their own. And then there's a little doggy underneath it, which is really nice. A little black, like, yeah, I wonder what that, I was just looking at that when I was looking. Yeah. It might be the owner's the dog. The other side. Maybe. Hecho en Mexico, Estado de Colima, in the state of Colima. And then on the bottom of this can, it says, Al consumir esta cerveza, contribuyes con Vulcan de Fuego, Montaña de Agua. We're so white. <laughs> Proyecto que busca mejorar, me, mejorar la captación de agua a través de la conservación y restauración de las áreas forestales en las faldas de los volcanes de Colima. You know what? Screw you. I think for somebody who didn't hasn't taken Spanish in years, I'll do a pretty damn good pronunciation. You took Spanish for a lot longer than I ever did. I did. I'm just really bad at and tenses. I, I, I took Spanish in middle school from a woman with a heavy Boston accent who basically said like, hola. Like, <laughs> that makes sense for where you're in school. Yeah. My first Spanish teacher was, I think she was Mexican. She might have been Puerto Rican. My first Spanish teacher was legit. Legit. So mine was not. And good. that's why I took Latin in high school. <laughs> I was good at the vocab, just not the tenses. I just didn't take it in college because. Because you had the option of taking so many other things. I wanted to start over in a new language and yeah. not have to be like sent back a grade, basically. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's all it has. It's got the Surgeon General warning because it has to in America. And please do drink responsibly. I'm sure Mexico has their own version of the Surgeon General warning. But, uh, this beer is great and that can is great. I'm glad we got this. I'm glad we saw this. Absolutely. This I'm, is, I'm super excited for the other one from the same yeah. brewery. Super, super crazy. Super, super interesting. I will say we did not mean to get one from the same brewery. No. The can they, look the can is a different is very shape different. and different. We thought we were getting a different brewery because <laughs> there's so much writing on these cans. It's just like it looked like it was from a different Yeah, brewery. it's a totally different style. Yeah, we messed up. But so. Our gain. <laughs> anyway. 
Next up is Modelo Especial. Modelo! So according to their website, in 1925, we set out to create a model beer in Tacuba, Mexico. To do so, we looked to the treasured techniques of internationally renowned German brewmasters, experts in the art of brewing for inspiration. What resulted was a brewing process and recipe that resulted in a consistently crisp and well-balanced beer that we fittingly named Modelo Especial, which translates to special model. To show off its character, we gave Modelo Especial a clear bottle with a unique shape and then sealed it with gold. Modelo Especial continues to honor its original vision by delivering high-quality, honest beer, a beer that not only takes pride in its heritage but speaks for itself through its distinctive look, authenticity, and well-balanced flavor. For over 90 years, Modelo Especial brewmasters have crafted perfectly balanced and brewed Pilsner-style lager. Modelo Especial delivers a crisp and refreshing taste, well-balanced light and hop character with a crisp, clean finish. It's characterized by an orange blossom honey aroma with a hint of herb. And Modelo Especial contains water, barley, malt, non-malted cereals, and hops. And fun fact, 50,000 bottles of beer were served at the Modelo Brewery's grand opening celebration. I have no idea how many people attended, but damn, that's a lot of beer. 12 people attended. (laughs) (laughs) They all died. (laughs) That's so dark. Uh... Yeah, let's get Modelo over with, I guess. <laughs> I, I don't not like Modelo either, just now that I know it's big beer. Big American it, beer, too. It's, it, it's less appealing. It's really kind of... Yeah. No. Oh. Modelo was like my one-up Corona, my grown-up Corona. Nope. All right, so I still don't not like Modelo. I've actually had Modelo very recently. A bunch of Modelos have expi- had expired at my theater because the bars were <laughs> closed. So I've been drinking some bef- in, as I've been, quote unquote, pouring them out. Yeah. Um, because after you, work, of course. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but yeah, I can't let it go to waste. But it'd it's be a nice travesty. To, this one is not expired. So it's going to be nice to have one that is. Yay. Uh, I can drink. <laughs> it's not expired. Oh, that's why you're not excited about it. OK. Oh, no, it wasn't that. They weren't like it was a little off. but It wasn't like crazy off. It's more that it was it's big beer now. <laughs> I do like Modelo, and I can't wait to talk about the bottle. It's a nice chunk. It is boy. very unique, yeah. <laughs> so it is wrapped in gold. So the trick is, you gotta get make sure the gold is not like where your lips are gonna touch because it's awkward. All right, there we go. I had the last first sip. You get this one. Okay. Oh, extremely bready notes right off the bottle. Like that's the first thing I smell. <laughs> That ain't bad. It's it's more substantial, I think, than soul. I I might like this better. That's crazy, but okay. Yeah, everybody's got their own opinions. Your opinion can be wrong. Not better than Colomita. We'll rank them afterward. Mm. Okay. I have some thoughts about that opinion as well. <laughs> um, I don't know. There's something about that that... So this smells like straight up weed, first of all. This is just, just smells like weed. Maybe that's why I like it. Uh, oh, now I'm getting more of the bready notes. But no, I, no, it's weird. It's it's straight up like it's got no extra stuff to kind of hold against it. It's going to be hops and yeast. Yeah. And that's what this is. It's well, much it's like also, Corona. It's just a simple beer, a simple recipe. 
characterized by an orange blossom honey aroma with a hint of herb. That herb is weed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God damn. That's so much better than the expired one. Um, not that the expired one is bad. The expired one actually doesn't taste as have as much taste as this. Oh, it interesting. Lost a so lot it doesn't of that. skunk. It just kind of gets. It doesn't have that weed taste that this has. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't huh. have that. Herbaceousness, okay. I guess. But no, Modelo is good. I've always liked Modelo. Like I said, it's the grown up Corona. It's yeah. a more yeah. taste, tasty Corona. Corona tastes like almost nothing. It tastes like aluminum water. Yep. And this does have a little bit of that tinniness to it that I think that most when you think about cervezas or lighter beers like these lagers have. A little bit. But it the weediness. To a lesser degree. Yeah, the weediness of the of the hops helps it. Mm-hmm. The honey honeyness that gives it a sweetness. But this might be like the simplest of the Mexican beers we're going to have today. Okay. Yeah. With the cervezas, I would imagine. Um, I think there's still... There's one more I think I haven't had yet. Um, But, no, no, I know. Yeah, there's only one more I haven't had, which is the other Colomita brand. Um, But I think Modelo is the simplest, but that's not an insult. Because if I'm on a beach in Cancun or anywhere. Oh, shit, that'd be great. I am getting a Modelo. Yeah. And I am sitting there and drinking a Modelo. If I'm at a restaurant, Mexican restaurant, half the time while you're getting your margaritas, Mm -hmm. I order Modelo's. Often, I don't. Yeah. Say, I think all the time. Uh, another one I get is Pacifico, which we will be having. Mm-hmm. Um, and Pacifico is very. I think Pacifico might be even more similar to a Corona. Um, you know, this is when I think of a Mexican beer. When anybody I think thinks of a classic Mexican beer, obviously they think of Corona, maybe. Mm-hmm. But I think that Modelo is more like classic Mexican. I think Corona might be a little Americanized, but Modelo still tastes like it's legit. I just I'm mad that it's. Big beer, but Jimmy Buffett did try to co-opt a Corona <laughs> at some point. Oh, big time! But no, you taste it again. I, I want you to focus on that weediness. Yeah, I get those notes. Yep, for sure. Um, which is cl- uh, hops and weed have this very similar smell profile. Yeah. Um, so that makes sense. That's why we, you know, over the past 80 episodes of this podcast we've described so many ipas as dank yeah it's yeah they're literally in the same family yeah it's the same thing um but no modelo is very good you can't go wrong with the modelo uh its color is a little bit darker than i think the average corona but only by a little bit Mm -hmm. it's very similar to our first beer um soul the soul in color it Um, might even be slightly darker than soul or more golden. It's more golden. I don't know about darker. It might be the same amount of brightness, but definitely it's this is more gold. I think soul might be more orange. Yeah. Taste-wise, though, incredibly different. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't think oh, that yeah. Mexican beers could be that different, but when you actually taste them back to back, soul, night and day with that cereal to this weediness. Yeah. And that colomita with that herbaceousness. And so far, it's like crazy. And I'm only going to briefly go over the Modelo bottle because everyone's seen it before. Yeah. Uh, it's a chunky boy. It's a little shorter than you'd expect your bottles to be. Um, it's stout, but it's stout and it's got this nice shape where like the bottle comes out and it dents at the it's neck almost ergonomic. and the neck comes out again. It is. Yeah. It's, it's fun to hold. Um, it's fat. The Modelo logo is super fancy gold rimmed. It's got the lions holding up the Modelo writing, which is no nonsense. Kind of just black font with gold trim. Uh, it's got what I imagine to be the Modelo brewery, maybe in the background with wheat 
garland around it. Mm-hmm. And then a banner that says 1925. And then Espacial, golden full flavored Pilsner style lager with a clean, crisp finish. Uh, are there other types of Modelo? If this is Espacial, like Los Equis e- says, two types? Yes, but I don't remember what. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> um, other than that, it's just, it says the top says imported beer brewed in Mexico with all the legal jargon. And it's got its own Cerveceria Modelo Mexico. And it's got a line with a barrel in back of, in front of them, which is interesting. And it's got that gold tin that kind of covers the top. It makes much it like, feel special. Much like the Stella Artois. Yeah. Yes. Trying to make you be like gold. Unwrap it. Come mm-hmm. on, baby. Um, yeah. It's pretty cool and very good. All right. All right, everyone. That ends part one of our six pack series on Cinco de Mayo. That's right. Our six pack series on Mexican lagers, basically. Uh, you heard a little bit of the history of the beer a little bit of the history of the holiday, and we went over a few beers. Join us next week for the rest of the beers we're covering on our six-pack series, and also our ranking of the beers from worst or our least favorite to favorite. Uh, This is going to be an interesting one because the results may surprise you, and again, there's a lot of this we love, so the results don't necessarily resemble where we place them in our opinion so much as what we think of them as a Mexican lager when we think of Mexican beer. So that's coming up next week. You'll join the rest of the episode. Uh, for me and Elise, that is it for Crack One Open. Special thanks to Joe Reichert for the theme. And we'll see you next week. Happy Cinco de Mayo. Happy belated Cinco de Mayo. And we'll see you next week. Cheers.